This is a Soul Fire production. Are you ready to enhance your sexual, erotic, and relational intelligence? Welcome to Higher Sex, where we take sex education to the next level. Come here to get curious about sex and cultivate acceptance, deep love, and intimacy. No topic is too hot to handle. As a psychotherapist and sexologist, Kelly playfully leads listeners through worlds of informative and actionable sex education, personal stories from her inspirational guests, and leading-edge research from trusted experts. Higher sex is scandalous and explorative, leaving you wanting more. Let's keep this conversation going. Subscribe today so you don't miss out on these hot new episodes each week. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so pumped to introduce Carrie Martin Bannock to all of you. She is the owner and founder of A Body in Motion Rehabilitation, which is a physiotherapy clinic in practice. And she is a pelvic floor physiotherapist guru. She would never call herself that, but that's what I call her. She is my go-to referral for anything to do with pelvic floor health in general. So anyone that I'm seeing as a sex therapist or relationship therapist who's experiencing pain during intercourse or orgasm or stimulation, or anyone experiencing ejaculation problems, anyone who is experiencing unexplained pain in the lower back pelvic region and genitalia area, and anyone who's having um, problems with incontinence for whatever reason. And she also works with uh, cancer-related conditions too. I mean, the list goes on. I can't even remember everything she does because she does so much. Um, And she's such an activist and really is participating in this movement to start these conversations around the importance of pelvic health. So I hope that you learn a lot and you fall in love with her as much as I have. I'm just so grateful that she's in my life and I get to go to her for all these things and refer people to her, personal people in my life as well as clients. And so I hope that you enjoy this episode and get a lot out of it. Carrie, thank you so much for being here and agreeing to be on the show. I'm so excited to interview, especially because I think the world of you and I know you're the pelvic health guru and the go-to person that I refer a lot of clients to because I just trust you and know you're the best at what you do. Oh, Kelly, thank you. That's so sweet. It's easy to be the best and you love what you do every day. I know. I Honestly, you are so passionate about it. And when I, get, when I get a chance to see you speak, I always learn so much from you. And I know I go to sex therapy conferences and whatnot. And I learn a little bit even here and there just in terms of appropriate referrals and whatnot. But when I get to hear you speak, because I know it comes from such a place of passion and care for your patients, it, it's amazing. So I want to dive right in is What do you do? Like, how do you describe that to people as a pelvic floor physiotherapist? Okay. I know where to start. It's like a huge question. I know you do so much. It is. It's like a, like a, so many different level question, but I'm going to do my best here to kind of hone it in. So basically pelvic health physiotherapists are, are physiotherapists or registered physiotherapists. We go to university, we obtain all of our, our credentials to become a physiotherapist. And then should we choose to become a pelvic health physiotherapist? Then we continue on in our education. So um, we have a, there is a college um, in Vaughan. It's Pelvic Health Solutions. That's where I did all of my training. And now I'm super happy that I'm actually a part of their team. Oh, so I'm awesome. also through, yeah, through their, um, which is great because you, now I'm getting to share a lot of the things that I've learned over the years and uh, 
help educate that next crew that's coming out. Um, so what the what pelvic health physiotherapists, how, what makes them different from an orthopedic therapist is that we are able to work internally. This is where everyone gets the big ew. Um, so what it means is that we can work vaginally and rectally to treat these fabulous muscles that just don't get attention. Um, you know, and there's no real other way to know exactly what they're doing. So it allows us the ability to do that. Now, that's not all we do because, you know, I often get so that's what you do all day. And it's like, well, you know, I, when I, when I first meet a patient, I describe it as I am most concerned about the area from the breast to the knees and everything in between. So that's kind of my go-to. So I look at the abs, I look at the back, the hips, the uh, knees, the inner thighs, you know, so it's, it's not just a pelvic situation. There's so many things, you know, the body is so intricately connected that um, I have people who come to see me who've been undergoing treatment for back pain forever. And with the right questions being asked, you know, I actually find out that, oh, wait a second, maybe this is a pelvic issue. Oh. And which is great about my staff is at both of my clinics, I have an orthopedic team. And then we have at our uh, brand new pelvic physiotherapy center, yes. um, I have a team of pelvic physios. So we work really closely together. And so sometimes this back pain is actually being driven by something that's happening in, in the pelvic floor. And so we find that and, you know, it's like, wow, like all these years of looking at, you know, back pain or hip pain or, uh, you know, abdominal pain, those types of things. And we find out that it's actually being driven by something within the, the pelvic world. You know, what's so, really interesting is one thing that you did say um, that I'll never forget is if someone's like, oh, I'm so stressed, my shoulders are tight. It's like, oh, gosh, I wonder how your pelvic floors are. Because again, like like you're saying, people don't know how to even assess that area. And that is an area where a lot of vulva owners can carry a lot of tension, correct? Absolutely. absolutely. And this is, so that's, that's something that's really big for me is that, you know, there's been studies done that show that there's a direct correlation between stress and the pelvic floor. Mm. So, um, you know, and the way that they've done that is they've, they've put electrodes all over uh, female bodies. They've only done females as far as, as far as I know to this date. But they put electrodes everywhere and then they, they monitor the body in stressful situa- situations. And what they're finding is that the very first muscles to respond to stress are your pelvic floor muscles, wow. which makes sense if you think about it, you know, that, that tightening in that area. So, yeah, I've said that before, you know, if you, I'll, I'll have people say, oh, Karen, I'm so stressed. You know, my neck is killing me. My shoulders are killing me. And yeah, I'm actually thinking in my mind, wow, I just, I really want to get my hands on your pelvic floor because I have a feeling that, you know, you're, that's what's, it, it's a direct response and that's driving other things. So, um, you know, the gamut of what we treat is huge. It's not right. just about, like, there's so many different facets and I'm sure we're going to talk about that, but yes. Um, you know, if, if your pelvic floor is being driven by something um, or driving something, then what better way to go in and, and solve the issue? And I think another big thing, too, just on that note, Cal, is that we're not asking people the right questions, right? So, um, and, and, I, and I think as a healthcare provider, as part of a, 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 a universal healthcare team, I think we're not asking our men and women the right, the right questions. So people are always coming saying, you know, wow, look, I didn't know that this was a thing. Like what, like no one ever told me, why didn't somebody tell me? And trust me, it's not for lack of trying. You know me, I'm like promoting this, talking about this 24 Oh, steps. you're normalizing it all, all over the place. Well, I'm yeah. trying to all the time. And we all are like, it's within a, within the profession. But the trouble is, is that it's not really easy for a woman to walk into her, her male doctor and say, 
hey, you know, I'm having pelvic pain or, hey, I pee my pants all the time. What can I do about this? Right. So I think as healthcare providers, we have to be we have to be better. We have to be better at asking those questions. You know, what's happening in your, what's your pelvic health like? Are you yes. having, you know, urinary leakage? Do you have pelvic pain? Do you feel pressure that you shouldn't feel? Because right. women think, you know, well, it must be normal. Or exactly. And, and that's just it. And even just from like where I'm sitting um, from when I'm working with clients, it's, you know, pain is not normal. Like you shouldn't have to tolerate it and just deal with it and, and grit and bear it as you are engaging in something that should be pleasurable, like sex. And so a lot of times if, um, you know, people are explaining, oh, well, yes, I'm just sometimes it hurts and they just want to gloss over it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, back up. And they, they say it as a caveat, like it's not causing all these other challenges, whether it's in their relationships or whatnot. And so that's where I'm always like, we need to get you assessed. And I typically, and not typically, I always go to you because it, because you ask the right questions, you do you do it holistically. Whereas sometimes the medical model, old school, will not will not get in there from a muscular perspective, right? They look at it like everything looks okay. Yeah, and it makes me sad because you know when you think about something like sex, which connects you and I, because yes. <laughs> you're my go-to girl for when my when my clients are experiencing you know difficulties with their sex life, whatever, and vice versa. We work together that way, right? And Nothing breaks my heart more than when a woman comes into my office and like it, it can be any age, it can be any stage. I have women who are older and they're maybe entering into a second relationship and you know they want to have this this feeling. It's like, oh Carrie, it's so painful. And then I have my young women who are newly married and they want to have a baby and they can't even tolerate having intercourse, you know, for for a real purpose. Never mind, let's just talk about why we should all be having intercourse. Um, hopefully my husband doesn't hear me say that, but <laughs> he's like, Oh, but, is it time? Is it time? <laughs> no. Um, so that nothing breaks my heart more than when someone says that they have painful intercourse because it's meant to be something so amazing with so many facets to it. Like, you know, like we said, the pleasurable side of things, the procreation side of things, you know, all of these things. Health benefits. Yeah, exactly. Health benefits. And then they say, well, you know, especially my postpartum women, so my women who have had had children, they'll say, well, you know, I had a baby, so I just thought it's normal. And I'm like, no, like no. never is having pain during intercourse normal. It's just not. So, so those I love, I love working with. So the technique, the, the, the medical term for that is dyspnea, which is painful intercourse. Yes. Now it can be fed again by a whole bunch of different reasons as to why it's happening. Not every reason is the same. Um, you know, and I have a, you know, my philosophy with, with my team is we don't treat anyone the same. You come in, you are an individual and you, there's no, there's no cookie cutter treatment. Like a blueprint you're following. Yeah. No, no. It's like, okay, this is you. We're going to break you down and and ask a million questions. And we're really going to get to know your story. That's what I always say to people when they come in. Okay. Tell me your story. Like fill me in what's been happening, you know? And then we kind of develop what, what we're treating off of that. And, you know, someone may come to me and say, um, they have painful intercourse. And then when I'm digging, I'm finding out that they also, you know, when they're at the gym, they're leaking. And, you know, sometimes they have a really hard time making it to the bathroom when they need to have a bowel movement. And so it just opens up this big world of all these things that they're kind of dealing with. And sometimes it's just something. And maybe not even talking about with anyone else, right? With anybody. And we don't talk about it with our, like, I talk about it with my girlfriends. It's all we have to talk about. But most people don't, you know? And so I really challenge my patients. I'll always say, okay, I really want you to tell one person about this. 
whoever that person is, it's your daughter, it's your mom, it's the lady behind you at Zares that you'll never see again. I don't care. Yeah. Text somebody and spread the word because when you came in here, what you said to me is that you didn't know about this. So become a part of the movement, you know, yes, the movement, the movement to educate people and destigmatize this too like you're not alone in this this is it it is common it's not something that should be lived with but you know something that can be solved and worked on yeah absolutely always solution-minded right but without the education people don't know and to no fault of their own and that's where i go back to really you know our medical profession just promoting and really um you know putting it out there we work with patients of um, obstetricians, gynecologists, oncology, yeah, oncology, yeah, like a great, um, you know, a great following of women who are going through breast cancer treatment, right. and they don't realize that this affects your pelvic floor. That treatment affects your pelvic floor, so we're dealing with things like you know dryness and and again painful intercourse, um, you know, pressure, heaviness, tightness, all of these things that are really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and they just assume that, you know what, it's, um, you know, I guess it's normal. I guess it goes with this process, but we, we, as women, I think, and let me, and I just want to clarify too, Kel, like we also see men. I see lots of yes, men. Yes, I know you do. I refer to you all the time. Um, I work with, um, pediatrics as well. So I'm very big into the bedwetting, um, treating bedwetting, working with kids who have fecal incontinence, so loss of control of their bowels, huge constipation following. For littles and adults that have constipation, but that was a aside. So going back to the women, I, think I like everything just, you're talking about. I want to ask a million questions about I all of them. I'm like, oh, so what do you do for that? And what do you do for that? But it's yeah, like, we, I absolutely ask away, but I don't want to forget to say that I think we as women, we just um, kind of let things go a lot, right? Like we're busy and self-care goes right out the window. And um, so if it's easier to just say, well, I just kind of, that must be normal. So now I'm just going to get back to the millions of other things that I have to take care of. And that is, um, you know, that's, that's where we as, you know, practitioners or just vocal women yes. need to, to kind of spread the word and say, you know, you I prioritize yourself. You do. Yeah, you do. And taking care of yourself. And, you know, um, I think from just from knowing you and hearing you talk a lot and us working with uh, similar or the same clients and, and working like as a holistic team, interdisciplinary team. I learned a lot in terms of um, even with, if you are family planning and, and procreating, tr- seeing you before they, people deliver babies or have babies too. Cause I think a lot of times people wait until there's something afterwards and they see you retrospectively, whereas there's a lot that can be done proactively as well. Can you touch on that a bit? Oh my gosh, for sure. That's one of my favorite um, parts of pelvic health actually is working with my, my new mummies. Um, and also even women who are considering becoming pregnant, right? So they're thinking, Hey, I want to become pregnant. It's always good to have that check of your pelvic floor just to see where, you know, what your status is. And then what I do is with my, with pregnant women, I always want to see them in their prepartum phase Mm. because we're preparing them for childbirth and, you know, we're getting the body ready for childbirth and we're working on, um, first of all, keeping them comfortable through pregnancy. I see lots of women who will have back pain, hip pain, um, you know, long ligament, like the, the ligament pulling, the, the pubic symphysis, which is that bone at the front of the pubis. Um, you know, there's pain in there. And that's because the body is releasing hormones. As you know, your hormones are changing. And so your body changes. And we were preparing for a baby to travel through a birthing canal. So the body is releasing 
a hormone that causes laxity in those ligaments. So when those ligaments start to let go, we're losing that. I don't like to say stability because it's pretty impossible for the pelvis to be unstable, even though that word gets tossed around all the time. I like to use the word like a robustness, like a healthy, hearty, you know, um, everything's where it should be. Okay. And when we have ligaments changing, those things start to, you know, kind of creep out of place a little bit. And the way I describe it to patients is I talk about a puzzle. And I say, you know, sometimes the puzzle piece isn't meeting its partner. And that's why we're getting that, you know, that pain. So that, that's kind of one area where I go. We also work directly with labor and delivery preparation. So we are actually stretching the perineum and educating mom and partner. I have lots of partners who come into the office and I teach them, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, um, you know, get them comfortable with what, what I need them to do. And, and like throughout the preparation uh, situation, like throughout yeah. that preparation phase, so that when you're going in to actually deliver baby, those muscles are saying, okay, like, we're trained for this. <laughs> like runway is open and let's do this. Right? And even teaching women like proper breathing and, and being in control of your breathing and being in control of what your body does. The ability to release and open that pelvic floor, as opposed to trying to send baby out, you know, against a closed door, you're going to have right. no perineal damage. And that's where, you know, we're working on trying to prevent those tears and prevent those episiotomies. And or if they have to happen, sometimes they do have to happen, but they're going to be less um, intense than they would have been without that preparatory without phase. Without any preparation, yeah. Yep. And then when women come back after, the recovery is so much better. Because right. they've been through, you know, the, first of all, we were, all we're really doing is reminding the body what it, what it's meant to do. I mean, we were, we were created as these, as women who were supposed to be able to have babies. Not everybody, I understand that, but, um, you know, it, your body, we're kind of helping it along and saying, okay, just remember or reminding it, especially if I see a mom on like, the, I see patients through their second and their third and their fourth babies. And so at that point, I'm just reminding that pelvis, okay, we've been here before. Let's get you ready and right. let's muscle memory. Yep. As safely and as, you know, as, as I always say, we want to leave you unscathed. We want to do whatever we can to that perineum so that when you are finished this, you are coming out as unscathed as possible. Oh. And it just recovery better. And even C-sections, like a lot of women think, well, you know, I'm going to have a C-section. The pelvic floor is still being affected by pregnancy. So right. whether or not, no matter how baby enters the world, you still are going to have that, you know, there's still pelvic repercussions to that. So yeah, I'm sorry. That's a really long answer. No, no. And this is all, honestly, I'm like soaking it up. Please keep talking. But it like, even from where I'm sitting in terms of sex therapy with um, dyspronia, as we're talking about birth trauma, potentially causing pain after sex, buildup of scar tissue and also vaginismus. Can you touch a bit on vaginismus and I also want to talk about um a prolapse uterus too like later on yeah. too because I know a, a lot of times people go jump straight to the surgery and you said that there's so much that can be done yeah. as well yeah. like that should be a last step for sure so vaginismus um is basically a um it's an involuntary contraction of the of the vaginal canal so you are ending up with same thing vaginismus vaginismus can lead to tons of different things and there's so many gamuts involved in the vulvar vaginal areas so you know we have vulvar vaginitis we have vaginismus um you know i could go into all the names with you but we won't do that because it'll just get confusing but right so many different vulvar and vaginal conditions that we work with and um 
they yeah. cause pain during, and I'm, I'm bringing Carrie on, on the show because it can cause a lot of pain during intercourse or during sex and intimacy or sexual uh, interactions in general. And there it can then bleed into relationship challenges as well. And, you Absolutely. know, grieving the loss of a sex life. So again, enter Carrie and we're bringing so her magic. That's that for sure, Kelly. That's the part of those conditions that you are most um, associated with because of what you do for sure. But there are so many more um, things that women suffer that that to, aside from the intercourse. So just, right. to, just throw that in there. You know, there's women who can't wear certain clothing because it's uncomfortable, or they feel this. Um, they feel like they have a UTI all the time. Like oh, I mean, I've had UTIs, and I don't know if you have, I've, but yeah. they they are horrible. <laughs> Like it is a horrible Painful. feeling all the time when you really don't have a UTI. So you're going for these tests and the, and the, the results are coming back that no, there is no bacteria in the urine, but I feel this all the time. I feel this burning. I feel this pain. And there's a huge central nervous system component to that. So, um, you know, we talk about, I talk about pain with my patients. Sorry, I'm going on another change. No, here. please but keep going. We talk about pain in that area. And even this can also tie into the trauma. So the, the trauma associated with intercourse and, so, you know, people who have, um, you know, people who've gone through um, abuse, people who've gone through, um, you know, just horrible, horrible things. And when we look at the tissue, it might not be that there's actually any damage to that tissue. So you can look at the tissue and, and you know, they're, they're healthy. There are no cuts there. Yeah, they're like, there's nothing there. Like everything looks good. And it's like, but what you have to remember is that you have that, that area of our body, the perineal area, so full of nerves, mm-hmm. so full of nerves. And um, which can be a really great thing, but when you're suffering can be a really terrible thing. So, you know, we talk about chronic pain. I try not to use the word chronic. I really like the word persistent. Chronic makes me feel so definitive. It's like, it's hopeless. Where I say, okay, it's persistent pain. It's lasting and it's lasting a heck of a long time. But what can we do to, you know, to, to get rid of that, that pain or to lessen that pain? So the central nervous system can be so fired. And if you think about it, if those nerves are firing and firing and firing, maybe you don't have that bacteria in your urine, but you have a central nervous system that is so sensitized. It's, you know, years and years of going on and on and on. So a large part of our treatment as well is really looking at the central nervous system and trying to calm that incessant firing of those nerves, you know, which directly comes back to what is our brain doing? You know, and this is where like I insert people will say, you know, so my doctor or whoever made me feel like this is all in my head. Yes. And I answer, well, it is in your head, but Mm -hmm. it's in your brain. It's not, you're not making it up. You're not making it up. You are no. experiencing this. Yes. And, you know, I was talking with one of my colleagues the other day and we said, you know, how much easier would it be for people to, to heal if we simply tell them that we believe them mm. instead of going validate through all them. of these, validate them. There's a lack of validation. And in one area in particular that I find this is in my clients with endometriosis. Oh, wow. And you know, there's a lot, a lack of, you know, I'm having people, I spoke at a, at a talk a few months back and strictly an endometriosis um, type conversation, a, a round table. And, you know, I had, there was some, this was before COVID actually, that's how I know it was because we were actually in you a- You did a Stacey Jacobs, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah I saw. You know, this one was in, uh, at the Kitchener Public Library. Okay. And um, so, you know, it, people were coming, it was actually put on by Diva, um, oh, which nice. I love that company. I do a lot of, I do a lot of- um, work with them. Um, but so, you know, I have these women who are sitting in the room saying, I had this pain for 
eight years and I'm still trying to get a diagnosis. And it's like, oh, like it's so deflating to think that you are in that much pain for that long and we can't be dismissed. Yep. They're being dismissed. Yeah. And so, so much dismissal in the pelvic region. And that's another big reason why I'm, I advocate so much for women's health and, and men. Like, I always want to keep that in mind because a lot of times too, men are dismissed with, um, you know, pelvic pain. And yep. it's like, you know, things like we, you know, you look at someone who has erectile dysfunction and, you know, is that happening because you have a really like a, a pelvic floor that is not functioning properly? And supporting um, you, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the answer is like, well, here's your Viagra and, um, you know, good luck with that. And that frustrates me because yeah. these men are left with, you know, and, and trust me, Kelly, like it is very difficult for a male to come into my office and, and I don't discredit that. And trust me, same for many females. You know, my goal is always when you come into my office, I try to make it the most comfortable place. And that you do such an amazing job because you're very, you're trauma informed. You're very warm and gentle. You want people to be myself. Right. So many things. So I'm cognizant that when you walk into a room and you sit down with me, especially as a male or a female, or a transgender, or, you know, you are coming into talking about something that the world just doesn't spend enough time talking about. And understand. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and it's many of these people are just, you know, they're just dismissed. And so I think that's why I spend so much time talking about it because I want, not only do I want to educate the general public, but I want to educate our healthcare providers right. and say, you know, ask these questions and we're here to do that. You know, I love, I always say, I am really great at something. And when I'm, when I need to go outside of that, when someone's coming to me and I'm not really great at it, I go to my person who is. So for example, with, with your team, you know, when someone is, is starting to talk about the, the more of the psychological side of, of what's happening with their painful intercourse and those kinds of things, I'm always like, okay, this is the person that you need, you know, that I would love for you to see. And I have said several times, you know what? save the money that you're spending on me right now and let's put it in that basket. Right. Like whether then, that's like relationship therapy, sex therapy, CBT is big too. Like there's so much, right? EMDR right. could help with the trauma. I, yeah. And I, for everything, like I have my, my, my referral team and, and I've created over the years of working with people of, you know, this person is really, this is, this is their, this is their basket. I need you to go visit that basket for a little while. And then, you know, if it works out that we come back to this, or I co-support, obviously, we, we have lots of clients that we all work on together. That's the other thing. It takes a village. I it always does. say, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to solve this problem on my own. And sometimes I do, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes we don't need the village. Sometimes it's something that, okay, we got this. But as soon as I start to see that we need a little bit of extra help in a little bit of a, a you know, a different area, um, I am more than willing to say like, okay, this is, this is where I think we need to go. So. Which is so great because it also helps with that continuity of care and trust because I know, I don't know about you, but I know sometimes when people come for sex therapy, they've exhausted so many other avenues. And so by the time they see me and if I'm needing to pull in someone else or refer someone else, if I don't have a name for them of someone that I trust and I vetted, then they can be like, I don't want to start this process again of trying to find someone. Right. Yes. Because maybe they've yeah. been let down by the system in some way. It is exhausting. So I love that you have a network that you refer to and then you pull them in and then there's that foundation of trust and continuity of care too. So like you said, you know, we're in a good spot, maintain, go there and then come back here and it, and you can all keep talking to each other and really work as an interdisciplinary team. 
Yeah. And that's, it's so important to me, the conversation, like, you know, your office gets emails from me to different practitioners all the time with, right. you know, what's happening and, you know, obviously always with, with patients consent to do so, but oh, um, sure. yeah, yeah. It's just, I just feel, you know, I'll always say to my patients, okay, this is what I'm thinking. Like, how do you feel about this? And can I speak to this person on your behalf? And I get that back a lot from my patients. Like, Carrie, thank you so much for advocating. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of practitioners, particularly medical doctors who are like, Oh, for God's sake, Carrie, stop sending me letters. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I, I beat it to death. Like, I'm like, if I believe that this person is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to advocate for them, help them get a voice too. Yeah. Because it's hard for, for people who, who are a little bit, you know, not as vocal. There's not many. Especially about something so sensitive. Meanwhile, you know, you're talking about vulvas, vaginas and penises and rectums. Oh, geez. All the time. time. Like at my house, my husband is typically like, can we stop? With the vagina. <laughs> and, you know, and it's great because I have two girls, as you know, two teenage girls, and they're so well versed in their pelvic health. They're never going to have, they're never going to have a problem because they know what normal is. And this is what I do with my patients too. Cause I even have patients who will call and say, you know, I just want to get checked out. Like I'm having a baby yeah, or I'm just having me, a baby. Please. I just want to know that my pelvic health in general. And I love those because it gives me a chance to, to bring them in and educate them on, you know what? You're awesome. This is great. This is great. You know, tweak this a little. How do you feel about a couple of little exercises to, to focus on this a little bit or whatever it turns into. Right. And, yeah. and, um, and then give them that, that education and that power to move forward and keep themselves healthy. And right. I always say to women and men, if you don't look at yourself and know what is normal, you how will you... know abnormal. Right. When you spot, how are you supposed to spot something? Like how are you supposed to see if something's out of place or, or looks off or different if you're not seeing yeah. it regularly and know what your normal is? Absolutely. And I always encourage women, like I have lots of different tools in my office and you know, there's mirrors that I can use if I need to, if a woman is comfortable or a man or whomever, I don't, that's the thing with me too. I can easily, um, figure out, okay, you're not going to be comfortable with this. So we're not going to do, you meet people where they're at. You you want people to always meet people where they're at. Absolutely. And, you know, usually through, um, getting to know them and creating that relationship and building that trust. Yeah building that trust that I'm able to really, you know, get them to a point where it doesn't seem so, like nobody comes into my office and is like, yay, I get to have a vaginal exam today. Let's be honest. Like, I mean, I do get my few women who are like, you know, their pants are going down before I'm even out of the room. And they're like, whatever, Mary, I just want you to fix me. Like, just do whatever you have to do. Right. But I'm cognizant of my audience. And I know, you know, in my staff, like our team knows you can read people and you know how yeah. to read people. And, and that's really, really important. So that first visit um, you know, I know people are are uncomfortable with the whole scene of pelvic health in general. And that's why my goal, like, especially through my social media and stuff, I'm always trying to educate people and just say, like, it's really not taboo, you know, and it's unfortunate. I think as we move forward, we'll see that it becomes a little less taboo because of this. But right. when you're dealing with people who grew up with, you know, I have women say all the time, my grandma told me that I should never do that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that was like 1920 and right. we're evolving now. Yes. Yeah. And we have to kind of be open to these new, you know, these new techniques or these new things. And, and I think, um, again, even in my treatment, I'm always educating people. I always give people the option to learn how to do something on their own. Because, you know, my goal is not to, not to bring you Long-term in. Long-term clients. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't want that. I want to set you up. I want you to have the best 
pelvic health toolbox that you can have. And then I want you to go away with it. Yes. And then, you know, I'll get people who will touch base a year later and say, oh my gosh, Carrie, I'm having, I feel like the pain is kind of creeping up again. And, and, and I'll Spending say, on okay, life circumstances and what have you, right? Absolutely. And I'll say, okay, try this and this, and then get back to me and, and, and let me know. Like, and if it's not, you know, I'll always in. try to solve it before bringing them in. Right. But again, too, if they're like, I just need to come in, obviously. Yeah. Come, I, I will find, I will make time for you. I want you to come. So, but if I can say, try this and this, and then oftentimes I'll get an email back and say, okay, phew, I'm good. Like, thanks for the advice. Yes. It worked. Talk to you when I talk to you, you know, and when people leave my office, I always say, I mean this in the nicest way possible, but I really hope I never see you again. Yes. You know, but I am here. Like, you know, I'm, I, I'm a resource. I, I'm a phone call away an email yeah. away. Yeah. I and always have a like, great team. Yeah, exactly. It's a lifelong relationship with my patients. Like once you leave, I am, I will, I will be here as long as I'm here, as long as God willing, I'm able to be here. Yeah. And uh, so we have a relationship forever and, and that's important to me too. So. Yeah. yeah. And you're so good like that. I think that's what's so hard to get in with you. So I'm glad you've really built up a great team because, you know, um, a great team, great, great yeah. team. Um, so can you tell, I know there's a public service announcement in there around, um, Kegels and how sometimes people will go and figure, try to figure this out on their own. And I know sometimes you have, you're like, please don't put anything in there and try to do all this stuff thinking, cause you could tighten things in the wrong places. And so can you, um, say your school about that? Cause I think it's important. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So Kegels, I, you know, and I always hate calling them Kegels. So I'm like, Kegels, a dude who came up with this and it's changed and evolved. But anyways, it is the title. I always call them pelvic floor muscle exercises, but that's a mouthful. So um, I get the Kegel thing. I like your mouthful though. Yeah. (laughs) But to be honest with you, Kelly, the, the trouble with Kegels is that most people have never been trained to do them correctly. So, you know, if you... Guessing game. It's a guessing. And I could, I could let, have 10 women in front of me, 10 women, men and say, um, okay, give me your best Kegel. And technically I, if, if any one of them is doing a, a Kegel properly or a pelvic floor muscle contraction properly, I would not know because when you are doing it, there should be no other part of your body moving. But I know you can't see me because we're more verbal here. But mm-hmm. typically when I, when I ask for a Kegel with my patients, which I assessed in the first assessment, I get this full body response. Like I'm talking teeth clenching, yeah, suck um, it all in, tightening, uh, pulling up with your stomach, squeezing those inner thighs. And to be honest, at that point, your pelvic floor isn't even moving. Like every other part of your body Around is moving except for your pelvic floor. So for me, I'm, I'm, that is one of the big challenges that we come up against is I have people who come in and, oh, my doctor, I've been doing, my doctor told me to do Kegels. I've been doing Kegels for a year. Nothing's changing. Well, the hard part there is that, first of all, sometimes Kegels aren't even the right answer. So if you have, if you already have a a tight pelvic floor, or we call that a hypertonic pelvic floor, and you Kegel, you are potentially creating a tighter pelvic floor. So you're exacerbating symptoms. Um, So I will never teach someone a pelvic floor muscle contraction without an assessment of the pelvic floor. So I, um, I will often say, you know, I get people who, who reach out to me and say, you know, um, I want to, I want to be able to do Kegels, you know, or I want to teach my, my exercise class, how to do Kegels. And I often say, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope because if someone in your exercise class or five of, and I'll be honest, if you have an exercise class of 10 people, probably eight of those people have a tight pelvic floor. If you teach them to do a Kegel, you potentially risk exacerbating symptoms. And so for me, I've always made it 
you know, kind of across the board that I won't give instruction on pelvic floor muscle contractions without really knowing what the status of your pelvic floor muscles are. Because everyone's different. Every body is different. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, when I see a patient, they have, there is a large portion of people who have hypertonic pelvic floors and they drive all of these symptoms. So they can drive incontinence. They drive, you know, pelvic pain. Um, They drive uh, prolapse, all of these things that um, you know, people come in to see us for, and they'll think, just, and they're doing these exercises thinking it's going to help. Yeah, oh, absolutely, right? because that's what they've been told. So they've right. seen well, that. That's the general blanket statement yep. consensus yep. that's out there. Yep, they've seen it in the media. They read it in Shape magazine, uh, Cosmopolitan. Right. They are told it by the by the people who are taking care of them. You know, right. and told by their healthcare providers. Well, you know what? Don't worry about that. Just do your Kegels, and you're you know you'll be fine. And um, yeah, so that is the message out there. So it's like dispel the myth that Kegels are not the answer. They, they pelvic floor muscle contract, like contracting and actually strengthening likely is going to be a part of, of your treatment plan. Because at the end of the day, a nice, strong, healthy pelvic floor is what we want. But maybe, just maybe you're not quite at that point. And if you, if you are making a problem worse, well, then where do we go? Right? So. So that's kind of my gamut is okay. until you are going to do a Kegel, you want to make sure that that is the answer for you and, and the, the right problem. exercise for you. Right. And then, so you did touch on it, but prolapsed. Yes. I, I would love for you to touch on that too, because again, there are some um, folks that I've seen where then their medical doctor is like, okay, we need to get you in and schedule surgery. Um, so can you tell me a little bit of like with the prolapsed uterus, like how you would treat yeah, that sure. or like, what are some things people can do to work through that? Um, and steps they can take prior to maybe going that route of having like the netting put in and all of that yeah, stuff. For sure, for sure. So people always ask me, what do you think of the surgery? And I always say, I'm the wrong person to ask because I see a lot of people that the surgery doesn't work for. So, um, you know, and at the end of the day, surgical intervention, it is, it comes with its own set of risk factors. So I always say to people, try conservative treatment first. Like yep. without a doubt. So when we're talking prolapse, um, there's different kinds of prolapse. Right. So we can have the uterine prolapse, which is the prolapse that you mentioned, which is uh, what happens is the uterus actually moves down into the vaginal canal. We can have um, a bladder prolapse, which is called a cystocele. And that is when the bladder, and so that's your typical mesh prolapse uh, okay. or mesh surgery that they talk about, um, where the, the bladder is actually kind of sewn back up into place. Um, we can have a rectal prolapse where the rectum is actually pushing through the posterior wall of, um, the vagina. So it would be more of a a problem in the vaginal area. And then we also have rectal prolapse that actually comes out of the rectum. So essentially what's happening with the prolapse, what that word means is that something is coming out of where it should be, or it has moved out of its place. So yes, with, with surgical intervention. So a lot of times when you have a, a uterine prolapse, um, there isn't, uh, the, the suggestion would be a hysterectomy. And, um, so if it's prolapsing, let you take it out. But the trouble is, is that all of those puzzle pieces, I talk puzzles a lot. So, and I hate doing puzzles. So I don't know why I use it all time. <laughs> Cause you probably but, do them all day. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so the, the uterus where it is, is holding a whole bunch of other, like we've kind of got this nice puzzle. And so you take something out. Well, now you run the risk of problems with all of the other things that you left behind. Right. 
So typical symptoms with a prolapse are a feeling of heaviness or pressure in the vaginal canal. And sometimes it's, you actually feel a bulging. I ask my patients, is there a bulging? Is there a protrusion? And women have, yeah. yeah. Women may, will say like in the shower, you know, when I'm washing up in the shower, I can feel that there's a bulge there. So what we want to do is we want to use a conservative method, which is pelvic floor physiotherapy and figure out, okay, again, what is the status of your pelvic floor? Is it tight? Is it weak? Is it both of those things? You know, is there a, a, is it, is it a possibility that we can actually go in and train the muscles to put things, get things out of the way, decrease that pelvic pressure, decrease that protrusion, decrease that bulge. These, this is, this is real. Pelvic physio helps with this. Exactly. And, um, you know, and perhaps modify your lifestyle a little bit. Is there something that you're doing? Um, that could be exacerbating this problem, you know, and again, you know, when I started in the beginning, we talked about this, that breast to knees kind of analogy, you know, is your breathing affecting this right. is, you know, is, are you constipated is, you know, are your bowel and bladder not working properly? And that's why these things are happening. Right. So as I mentioned, I always say conservative treatment first. I have people come in, they're like, Gary, I'm going to get the surgery anyways. I'm only here because my doctor made me come to see you. <laughs> I'm always like, okay, well, thanks for coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and okay. So now I see I've got a real big, like, I, this is a task here because I need to convince you that this For a is challenge. Not, yeah. Big challenge. Um, and you know, a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, like, wow, this yeah. like, wow. Okay. Maybe I don't need to have this surgery. Um, you know, and, and the, the big thing with prolapse too, Kelly, that I always tell patients is prolapse is not dangerous. So it's not a danger thing. It's a, it's a bother thing. It can I'm feel fine. dangerous though, just because it's like, what the heck is happening, right? Yeah, like, and it's, if you don't know about it or know what's happening, absolutely. People are like, okay, part of my body, part, one of my body, falling out of place, falling out of my body. Yes, yeah. And uh, and and I always reassure people. Okay, so we gotta talk about this logistically. I use lots of diagrams. I use lots of models. Um, like I'm I'm the visual kind of girl, so I share that with my patients. Anything that I have um, visually that sort of lays it out for them, and they always feel such reassurance. Um, because you know what? They're with me. My assessment is an hour. They're with their family doctor for like seven minutes. Right. So you're going to get that same level of education. And then they're going to go on Google and God forbid you go on Google with a prolapse. Pictures are horrifying. Yeah. And then you're like, oh my gosh, you know, and it, and really that is not what is actually happening. Right. That's the first thing that pops up on, on Dr. Google. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. So, um, yeah. So you know, I'm always going to say, give this a whirl first. Yes. You know, if you have to go the route, if it's, and level of bother is different, right? So prolapsing is graded on a scale of one to four. So a grade one is, you know, your, your least, your least, um, far along. And then grade four is, you know, yeah, you have a significant prolapse. And, um, but I mean, I've even worked with, with women with grade four prolapsing oh, wow. who end up getting them to a state where the level of, of bother has reduced to the point where, you know what, right now I'm not going to go get the surgery right. and I'm going to keep up on my work that I've done with you. My treatment, and, yeah. you know, and it's work. Like, let's be honest, you go to surgery. They're going to do, people think, oh, I go to surgery. They fix it. I'm good. I hear, but it's I like working on muscles, work. right? Yeah. Yeah. And all the core, I'm like, oh, I got to do all this work. And she's, you know, giving me all this stuff. And it then is I gotta physiotherapy. <laughs> right. Welcome to physiotherapy. But 
surgery brings with it its own stuff. Now you've got scar tissue and you've got, um, you know, the potential for it happening again and infection and you've got to have anesthesia and like, really, I I mean, is that the first course of action? Like, that's all you're trying to say is it's not like it's a hundred percent off the list, but it's like, there are other things that could be done in first and take different courses of action. So correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a pretty end game when you decide, okay, I'm going to surgery. I mean, I think this with anything, even in orthopedic physiotherapy, you know, you've got knee pain, you know, you're not going to run and get a total knee replacement right away. Right. And in the orthopedic world, that doesn't usually happen. Like the orthopedic surgeons will say, okay, what if we try this or whatever, or you don't even get, you got to wait to get into the orthopedic surgeon. So let's try physio. But I find in pelvic health, you know, they're very quick to say, okay, well, let's just do a hysterectomy. It's like, what? What? Like, what? Yeah, so, like, and that affects so many other things too. And you know, it's really interesting because uh, I know my sister saw you um, for pelvic floor physiotherapy while she was pregnant. And I, I remember her, like, <laughs> I love her too. Um, <laughs> her and I were working out and doing like an intense, like, I think it was Tabata type style workout. And you saw her on Instagram. You're like, what are you doing? You need to get in here right now. Because she even told the, you know, the fitness coach, like, oh, I just had a baby. And they were like, okay, here's some modifications. But you were like, no, like, you can't be doing that. Like, there are certain exercises where, like, I'm glad that we are all friends in, like, that online space. And then you called her and you're like, hey, do these modifications. Because it is about that movement where, like, people will have your best interest at heart, but they just don't have that knowledge about, like, how it's affecting your pelvic floors. Yeah. And, the, and the healing process, right? And, so. and we're lucky because in my circle, I do have some great personal trainers that do are super privy to pelvic health information. But just on that note too, like I always say, like I treat women who are CrossFitters and they, they have yeah, a baby and they, uh, yeah, well, so I try to be a CrossFitter. I, I, I go to CrossFit. Yeah. Uh, but these guys are, uh, right now everyone's like, oh my God, she's a physiotherapist and she's a CrossFitter because, you know, pretty heavy stuff. But, um, so I treat these women and I never say to someone, you cannot do this. Like I never say that because what is that going to do? You come in. Nope. You're never squatting again. Good right. luck. Have life. And they're like, okay, we'll see you later. It's, it's and building so blocks I, though, right? Yeah, like steps. I always say we are going to do everything that you did before, unless there's some real big reason why, but typically there's not. So we're going to do it, but let's, Let's kind of do it in a way that keeps you safe. I'm still going to keep you working out as hard as you want to as be. As you want to, yeah. But like you said, we're maybe going to do a little bit of modification, and I'm going to follow you through, and I'm going to, and you're going to you're going to listen to your body, and this is what you need to be aware of. That's the biggest thing, right? So when I mean in the CrossFit world, when I have I have several people who I work out with who will come to me and say, "Oh my God, you're like I'm peeing my pants on those yeah. steps," and I'm like, "Hey, no." not normal, you know, right. like, like you can do that if you want. And I mean, a lot of times this stuff in the CrossFit world, there was a big thing where it was normalized. There was a woman who peed during, peed the floor during a, a, a competition type thing. And, oh, and it was like, I watched it and I'm like, how are we talking about encouraging this? Like, this. Okay thing? Yeah. Right. Like how is this okay? And, and so, you know, which pushes me even more to do, like I've done courses, I've done CrossFit pelvic physiotherapy courses. Course so I've had. Yes. Yeah. I've done a lot of courses. You know me, I, know. I love whatever. I know. I know. You're always on it. I take a course. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, that's a big thing too, right? It's just really like realizing again, let's not normalize things that aren't normal. Right. Right. And tell people, oh, they're doing it. So that means if I do it, it's fine. Because you don't have to live that way if you, if you don't want to. Ever. 
Yeah. And I just love that you are out there and you are such um, an activist in, in this realm and like by, and sharing your wisdom and sharing this as preventative um, knowledge, like just so people don't have to suffer in silence and don't have to be ignored or dismissed. And I hope that, you know, the medical model is changing a bit to be more interdisciplinary and try to lean on the allied health professionals as well. Cause like, it's not saying that you have to know all of this, but at least know who to refer to then. Right. That's what I always say, Kel. It's all about a team. And I'm grateful for you because like you said, we've had the opportunity to talk on your show and talk on this show, which I'm yeah. super happy for doing. And um, yeah, like it's, it's all of us together working to really get the message out there and really getting women to, to see and, um, and men. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying that a lot because we didn't touch on male pelvic therapy, but we can do that um, another time. But yeah, definitely. Um, there's also a huge world, right? Like men with who've undergone prostate just to throw in quick and prostate cancer and they've had their prostate removed and they're leaking, you know, yeah. they're wearing, they're wearing a diaper and right. you know, these are men who are active, you know, they don't want to do that. And it's like, there's help for that. So again, having that education out there so that they say, Oh, you know, and seeing those men before the surgery, like bam, like so amazing because we're preparing them. Right. So that's, you know, that's just a little gamut there from the male yeah, side. So set side. yourself up for success for those folks at home. Or if, and again, try to ignite this conversation and have these conversations with your friends and family members. Because you even say, I can encourage anyone to have one conversation about this. And we are starting to normalize it as well. And sharing that there are resources and help, allied health professionals that are out there to support you. Like Carrie. <laughs> awesome well thank you so much carrie again like i really appreciate it and i value you and everything that you're bringing to our community i wish you could be cloned time it's a million but i know you also um have a great team that you met i, do. Bring I really so. do i'm so thankful that you're helping spread the word yeah okay. we'll have you back and we'll, we'll focus more on maybe like erectile dysfunction and things like that too awesome thanks carrie hey girl have a great day 